This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Uncle Remus by Joel Chandler Harris Volume 3 A Story of the War When Miss Theodosia Huntington, of Burlington, Vermont, concluded to come south in 1870, she was moved by three considerations. In the first place, her brother, John Huntington, had become a citizen of Georgia, having astonished his acquaintances by marrying a young lady, the male members of whose family had achieved considerable distinction in the Confederate Army. In the second place, she was anxious to explore a region which she had almost unconsciously pictured to herself as remote and semi-barbarous. And in the third place, her friends had persuaded her that to some extent she was an invalid. It was in vain that she argued with herself as to the propriety of undertaking the journey alone and unprotected, and she finally put an end to inward and outward doubts by informing herself and her friends, including John Huntington, her brother, who was practicing law in Atlanta, that she had decided to visit the South. When, therefore, on the 12th of October, 1870, the date is duly recorded in one of Miss Theodosia's letters, she alighted from the cars in Atlanta in the midst of a great crowd, she fully expected to find her brother waiting to receive her. The bells of several locomotives were ringing, a number of trains were moving in and out, and the porters and baggagemen were screaming and brawling to such an extent that for several moments Miss Huntington was considerably confused, so much so that she paused in the hope that her brother would suddenly appear and rescue her from the smoke and dust and din. At that moment someone touched her on the arm, and she heard a strong, half-confident, half-apologetic voice exclaim, "'Ain't this year, Miss Doshi?' Turning, Miss Theodosia saw at her side a tall, gray-haired negro. Elaborating the incident afterward to her friends, she was pleased to say that the appearance of the old man was somewhat picturesque. He stood towering above her, his hat in one hand, a carriage-whip in the other, and an expectant smile lighting up his rugged face. She remembered a name her brother had often used in his letters, and, with a woman's tact, she held out her hand, and said, "'Is this Uncle Remus?' "'Law, Miss Doshy, how you know the old nigger? I knowed you by the favour, but how you know me?' And then, without waiting for a reply, "'Miss Sally, she's sick in bed, and Mars John, he bleeds to go in the country, and they took and sought me. I knowed you the minute I laid eyes on you. Time I seed you, I say to myself, I laid there's Miss Doshy, and sure enough, there you was. You ain't going up your checks, is you? Cause I'll get the trunk sawnt up by the express wagon. The next moment Uncle Remus was elbowing his way unceremoniously through the crowd, and in a very short time, seated in the carriage driven by the old man, Miss Huntington was whirling through the streets of Atlanta in the direction of her brother's home. She took advantage of the opportunity to study the old negro's face closely, her natural curiosity considerably sharpened by a knowledge of the fact that Uncle Remus had played an important part in her brother's history. The result of her observation must have been satisfactory, 
for presently she laughed and said, "'Uncle Remus, you haven't told me how you knew me in that great crowd.' The old man chuckled, and gave the horses a gentle rap with the whip. "'Who, me? I knowed you by the favor. Dat boy Mars John's is, is the very spittin' an image of you. I'd a knowed you in New Orleans, let alone down there in the car-shed.' This was Miss Theodosia's introduction to Uncle Remus. One Sunday afternoon, a few weeks after her arrival, the family were assembled in the piazza, enjoying the mild weather. Mr. Huntington was reading a newspaper, his wife was crooning softly as she rocked the baby to sleep, and the little boy was endeavouring to show his Aunt Dozia the outlines of Kennesaw Mountain through the purple haze that hung like a wonderfully fashioned curtain in the sky and almost obliterated the horizon. While they were thus engaged, Uncle Remus came round the corner of the house talking to himself. "'They're too lazy to work,' he was saying, "'and they specs honest folks for to stand up and sport em. I'm going down to Putman County where Ma's Jeems is. That's what I'm a-gwine to do.' "'What's the matter now, Uncle Remus?' inquired Mr. Huntington, folding up his newspaper. Nothing tall, Mars John, cept in dese year sunshine niggers. Dey begs my tobacco, and borrows my tools, and steals my vittles, and it's done come to dat pass dat I gotta pack up and go. I'm a-gwine down to Putman, das what. Uncle Remus was accustomed to make this threat several times a day, but upon this occasion it seemed to remind Mr. Huntington of something. Very well, he said. I'll come around and help you pack up, but before you go, I want you to tell Sister here how you went to war and fought for the Union. Remus was a famous warrior, he continued, turning to Miss Theodosia. He volunteered for one day, and commanded an army of one. You know the story, but you've never heard Remus's version. Uncle Remus shuffled around in an awkward, embarrassed way, scratched his head, and looked uncomfortable. Miss Doshy ain't got no time for to set there and hear the old nigger run on. Oh, yes, I have, Uncle Remus, exclaimed the young lady. Plenty of time. The upshot of it was that, after many ridiculous protests, Uncle Remus sat down on the steps and proceeded to tell his story of the war. Miss Theodosia listened with great interest, but throughout it all she observed, and she was painfully conscious of the fact, as she afterward admitted, that Uncle Remus spoke from the standpoint of a Southerner, and with the air of one who expected his hearers to thoroughly sympathize with him. "'Course,' said Uncle Remus, addressing himself to Miss Theodosia, "'you ain't been to Putman, and you dunno where the Brad Slaughter Place and Harmony Grove is, but Mars John and Miss Sally, they been there a time or two, and—' They knows how de land lays. Well, then, it was right long in there where Mars James lived, and where he lived now. When de war come along, he was livin' there longer Ole Miss and Miss Sally. Ole Miss was his ma, and Miss Sally there was his sister. De war come just like I tell you, and Mars sort of rock along same as de allers did. It didn't strike me that there was any war going on, but if I hadn't sort of missed the neighbors, and seed folks gwine out of the way for to ax the news, I'd allowed to myself that 
de war was way off among some yuther country. But all dis time de fuss was gwine on, and Mars Jeems, he was just itchin' for to put in. Ole Miss and Miss Sally, they took on so he didn't get off de fuss year, but by and by, news come down at times was gettin' putty hot, and Mars Jeems, he got up, he did, and say he gotta go, and go he did. He got a overseer for to look after the place, and he went and joined the army. And he was a fighter, too, Mars Jeems was. Many's and many's the time, continued the old man reflectively, that I had a take and brush that boy on account of his busing and beating them other boys. He went off there for the fight, and he fit. Old Miss used to call me up Sunday and read what the papers say about Mars Jeems, and it hope her up mightily. I can see it just like it was yesterday. Remus, says she, dis year's what the papers say about my baby. And then she read out twill she couldn't read for crying. It went on this way year in and year out, and them was lonesome times, shows your bone, Miss Doshe. Lonesome times, show. Sure. It got hotter and hotter in the war, and lonesomer and more lonesomer at home, and by and by, long come the conscription man, and he just everlastingly scoop up Mars Jeems overseer. When dis come about, Ole Miss, she sawed after me and says, says she, Remus, I ain't got nobody for to look after the place but you, says she, and then I up and say, says I, Mistress, you can just pin on de old nigger. I was old den, Miss Dosha, let alone what I is now, and you better believe I bossed them hands. I had them niggers up in de field long full day, and de way they did work was a caution. If they didn't earn their vittles dat season, then I ain't named Remus. But they was tuck kiran. They had plenty of clothes, plenty of grub, and they was the fattest niggers in the settlement. By and by, one day, old miss, she called me up and say the Yankees done gone and took Atlante, dis year very town. Then presently I hear there was a marching on down towards Putman, and lo and beholds, one day, the first news I knowed, Mars James, he rid up with a whole gang of men. He just stopped long enough for to change horses and snatch a muffle of something to eat, but fore he rid off, he call up and say, says he, Daddy, all old Mrs. Chillins called me Daddy. Daddy, he say, pears like there's gwine to be mighty rough times round here. The Yankees, they a done got to Madison and Monticello, and twon't be many days fore to get down here. Tain't likely they'll pester mother nor sister, but daddy, if the worst come to the worst, I spec you to take care of em, says he. Then I say, says I, how long you been know me, Mars Jeems? says I. Since I was a baby, says he. Well then, Mars Jeems, says I, you know twan't no use for to ax me to take care of old Miss and Miss Sally. Then he took and squoze my hand, and jump on the filly I been savin' for him, and rid off. One time he turned around, looked like he want to say something, but he just wave his hand, 
so he gallop on. I knowed den de trouble was brewin'. Nigger that knows he's gwine to get thump can sort of fix hisself, and I tuck and fix up like de wall was gwine to come right in at de front gate. I tuck and got all de cattle and hosses together, and driven to de four mile place. And I took all de corn and fodder and wheat, and put em in a crib out there in de woods. And I built me a pen in de swamp, and there I put de hogs. Den, when I fix all dis, I put on my Sunday clothes and ground my axe. Two whole days I ground dat axe. De grindstone was inside of de gate and close to de big house, and there I took my stand. By and by, one day, here come de Yankees. Two of em come fuss, and den de whole face of de earth swam with em. De first glimpse I caught of em, I took my axe and marched into old Miss settin' room. She done had de sideboard moved in there, and I wish I may drap if it weren't fairly blazin' with silver. Silver cups and silver saucers, silver plates and silver dishes, silver mugs and silver pitchers. Look like to me they was fixin' for a weddin'. There sat old Miss just as prim and as proud as if she owned a whole county. This kind of hoped me up, cause I done seed old Miss look dat away once before when the overseer struck me in the face with a whip. I sot down by the fire with my axe tween my knees. There we sot whilst the Yankees ransacked the place. Miss Sally there, she got sort of restless, but old Miss don't scarcely bat her eyes. By and by, we hear steps on the piazza. And here come a couple of young fellows with strops on the shoulders, and the sods a dragging on the floor, and the spurs a rattling. I won't say I was skeered," said Uncle Remus, as though endeavoring to recall something he failed to remember. I won't say I was skeered, cause I wasn't, but I was took with a mighty funny feeling in the neighborhood of my gizzard. They was mighty polite, dem young chaps was. But old Miss, she never turned her head, and Miss Sally, she looked straight at the fire. By and by, one of them see me, and he say, says he, "Hello, old man, what you doing in here?" says he. "Well, boss," says I, "I've been cutting some wood for old Miss, and I just stopped for to warm my hands a little," says I. "It is cold, that's a fact," says he. With that. I got up and took my stand behind Ole Miss and Miss Sally, and de man would speak. He went up and warm his hands. First thing you know, he raise up sudden and say, says he, "What dat on your axe?" "Dat's de fire shining on it," says I. "It look like blood," says he, and then he laughed. But bless your soul, dat man wouldn't laugh dat day if he'd knowed de workings of Remus's mind. But they didn't bother nobody nor touch nothin', and by and by they all put out. Well, the Yankees they kept passin' all de mornin', and it looked like to me they was a string of 'em ten mile long. Then they commenced gettin' thinner and thinner, and then after a while we hear skirmishin' in the neighborhood of Armour's Ferry, and Ole Miss low how dat was Wheeler's men makin' pursuit. Mars Jeems was with dem Wheeler fellers, 
and I knowed if dey was dat close I wasn't doin' no good sittin' round de hose toastin' my shins at de fire. So I just took Mars Jeems's rifle from behind de door and put out to look after my stock. Seem like I ain't never seen no raw day like that, neither before nor since. There wa'n't no rain, but the wet just sifted down, mighty raw day. The leaves on the ground was so wet they don't make no fuss, and I got in the woods, and whenever I hear the Yankees going by, I just stop in my tracks and let em pass. I was standing that way in the edge of the woods, looking out across the clearing when, piff, out come a little bunch of blue smoke from the top of one of dem lonesome-looking pines, and then, pow! Says I to myself, says I, Honey, you're right on my route, and I'll just see what kind of bird you got roosting in you. And whiles I was a-looking out boost of smoke, piff, and then bang, with that I just dropped back into the woods, and, and sort of skirted round so's to get the tree twixt me and the road. I slid up pretty close, and what do you expect I see? Just as sure as you're sitting there listening, there was a live Yankee up there in that tree, and he was a loadin' and a shootin' at the boys just as cool as a cowcumber in the dew, and he had his hoss hitch out in the bushes, cause I hear the creature tromplin' round. He had a spyglass up dar, and whiles I was a watchin' him, he raise up and looked through her, and then he lay her down and fix his gun for to shoot. I had good eyes in dem days, if I ain't got em now, and way up the big road I see Mars Jeems a-comin. It was too fur for to see his face, but I knowed him by the filly what I raised for him, and she was a-prancin' like a school-gal. I knowed dat man was gwine shoot Mars Jeems if he could, and dat was more'n I could stand. Many's and many's the time did I nuss that boy, and hilt him in dese arms, and toted him on dis back, and when I see dat Yankee lay dat gun cross a limb, and take aim at Mars Jeems, I up with my old rifle, and shet my eyes, and let the man have all she had. Do you mean to say, exclaimed Miss Theodosia indignantly, that you shot the Union soldier when you knew he was fighting for your freedom? Course I know about all that responded Uncle Remus, and it sort of made cold chills run up my back. But when I see that man take aim, and Mars Jeems goin' home for to old Miss and Miss Sally, I just disremembered all about freedom, and lammed loose. And then after dat, me and Miss Sally took a nuster man right straight along. He lost one arm in dat tree business, but me and Miss Sally, we nuss him, and we nuss him, twill he done got well. Just about that time I quit nussin' him, but Miss Sally, she kept on. She kept on, continued Uncle Remus, pointing to Mr. Huntington, and now dare he is. But you cost him an arm, exclaimed Miss Theodosia. I give him Dan, said Uncle Remus, pointing to Mrs. Huntington, and I give him these holding up his own brawny arms, and if them ain't enough for any man, then I done lost the way. End of the tale.